epic tales of mystery and magic to accounts of battle and empire from the verses of ancient poets to the masterpieces of our times a light on literature brings to life China's literary heritage and a look at the world in a new light Hi, I'm Huang Rei. On today's Enlightened Literature, we continue to present the book The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press in 2016. In today's episode, we present you the final part of the story, Home, written by Zhang Yuran. One of the most famous Chinese writers born in the 1980s and translated by Geng Song. Zhang Yuran was born in Jinan, Shandong province. Her representative works include a collection of short stories titled The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890 and the novels The Distance of Cherries and Promise Bird. Previously on Home Xiaoju thought carefully about the issue of divorce. If she were to do this, she would definitely not return to Sichuan and she wouldn't want their child. She thought over the idea of staying in Beijing by herself like this, which didn't frighten her in the least. As for men, she thought she would still get one in the end. If she didn't, then she could accept that too. Till Law had once told her that she was a Virgo. Xiaoju thought that all those descriptions about Virgos fitted herself. She had her own standards which she was unwilling to let go of, and she was considered the type of person who preferred frugality to excess. And this episode. Xiaoju felt a little depressed thinking about all this and decided to go out for a walk. As she emerged onto the street, she saw little restaurants on both sides of the road with flashy red signs. People were gathered in circles sitting around round tables, eating spicy food and drinking bubbly beer in a merry atmosphere filled with laughter and chatter. She looked at them as she walked and she felt herself becoming warm and alive. She retrieved her mobile to send Deming a text message. I mentioned divorce not just out of momentary anger. I really do feel that there is not much point in living on like this, she wrote. When she finished typing, She read it one more time and changed point to meaning. After the text was sent, she felt much lighter. She raised her head and realized that she had unconsciously gravitated towards Cholo's apartment building. She hesitated for a moment before deciding to go up for a while where she could take even a hot shower. Xiaoju opened the door with a key. Hearing a muffled thumping sound coming from within the house, She felt a little nervous, worried that the couple had returned home, but she was also curious and so decided to press on. Once she got inside, it was pitch black. It didn't look like anybody was home. When she switched on the light, the only thing she could see was a cat struggling next to the shoe cabinet. He had always liked to play with the shoelaces. Tangles of string were flung here and there, like a live creature that could tease and toss around. But this time round, it somehow managed to get all four of its paws caught up in the laces, and the shoe was wedged under the cabinet and wouldn't budge. No matter how hard it tried to shake itself free, it stayed tied to the shoe under the cabinet. 
Xiaoju untied the string. The cat had exhausted every muscle by now. It wandered over to the water dish and lapped up the water. Xiaoju had never had much affection for cats, but now she felt a little twinge of empathy. If she hadn't walked over here this evening, she would probably not have come up until tomorrow afternoon, and the cat would probably have been struggling here the whole time and would probably have given up by then. The cat's business gave Xiaoju an excuse. From then on, she would come over to the house every evening. She would take a shower and watch some television. Sometimes she would also watch DVDs. Cholo's house had several boxes of DVDs. Simply taking a shower was enough to make her feel a whole lot more positive about life. The stream of water ran so thick and strong. The hot water could be used endlessly, and she could even sit in the bathtub soaking her sore legs and feet. Cholo's house also had a lot of books. In fact, Xiaoju always loved reading. In the past, when Cholo was here, she would often give her some old magazines, although the books at Cholo's house were all too abstruse. There was a lot that she couldn't understand. The books that Cholo had been flipping through before she left had not been put back on the shelf and still lay on the desk. Among them, a lot were written by a foreign woman named Wolf. Xiaoju picked them up one by one, flipping through them, but couldn't take in what she was reading, no matter what. A long passage of words that left you clouded with confusion and in the dark about what had just happened. There was, however, one among them, titled A Room of One's Own, which said that women must have a room of their own. Reading this, Xiaoju felt stirred. The present Xiaoju who had this house to herself for the time being, did indeed feel that life was now completely different. But she rarely stayed there, apart from the two times when she was afraid to walk home at night after watching horror films. She was a little finickety about beds, unwilling for others to sleep on her own bed, and she had thought that Cholo would probably feel the same. As for Der Ming, it was another day before he replied with the text saying, You can go and see for yourself. Xiaoju thought she would indeed act on her own impulses. She planned to find the time to make a trip home and talk properly with Derming about divorce. You have been listening to Home, a short story selected from the book The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, edited by Song Gang and Yang Qingxiang, and published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press. The author of the short story, Zhang Yiran, born in 1982, is one of the most well-known young writers in China. Her representative works include the collections of short stories The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890 and Ten Loves, and the novels The Distance of Cherries, Narcissus Has Left with the Carp, and Promise Bird. Her works have been translated into English, Spanish, Japanese, German, and other languages. Since 2008, she has been editor-in-chief of the journal CARP, which mainly publishes works by young authors. Then, half a month later, she had to confront with a very real problem. Neither Chou Luo nor the male occupant was there anymore. There was nobody to pay her wage, and the monthly 600 yuan represented a large proportion of her total salary. Besides Cholo's family, some of the other families who required her regularly only needed her once a week. Then, there were the casual jobs, 
which she went to if called. If there were no calls, she would be idle. Now, without the 600 UN, she was idle more than half the time. All she could do was toughen up and ask some of her clients to make phone calls and see if any of their friends needed work. Looking for jobs required patience. She had to plan ahead. There would be few jobs in the coming months. She was extremely conflicted, sometimes wishing Cho Law would hurry back and pay her. But if they did come back, she couldn't use the apartment anymore. For her, this apartment meant freedom. But her situation was such that with money, she would lose that freedom. And the right to choose money over freedom was not in her hands. Xiaoju could only leave it to fate. Nevertheless, heaven and fate had loftier plans in mind. That loudmouthed De Ming had actually guessed right. Although not all the clouds in the country had been pushed to the skies above Sichuan, all the energy under the Earth's crust had erupted in Sichuan. On the afternoon of the earthquake, Xiaoju was working at a client's, and it was Sister Xiao who called her to let her know. She tried to give De Ming and her mother's house a call, but she couldn't get through. Not until she watched the evening news did Xiaoju realize the seriousness of the situation. She could only reassure herself that there was still some distance between the disaster-stricken regions reported on the news and their place. She sat on the sofa in Cholor's house, facing the television, phone clasped in her hand, continuously pressing redial. Sister Xia called once again, asking about the situation, until she finally sighed emotionally and said, Such a huge thing has happened, but you seem to be handling it pretty well, eh? What else is there to do? Xiaoju replied. She had already experienced the ferocity of a natural disaster. Her mum had died from being crushed against a pole in the flood of 98. She could still remember being in the hallway of the hospital at the time, huddled with her younger brother, bawling their eyes out. Her so-called bravery was born of that summer of tears. Xiaoju sat by the television the whole time, awaiting the latest news from Sichuan. She was very hungry and found a wrinkly apple to eat from Cholo's refrigerator. Not knowing where her courage came from, she opened a bottle of red wine and scoffed it down. Not long after she had drunk it, the call went through. Derming was shouting at her from the other end of the line. She even thought that it was the effect of the alcohol and she had gotten through to a spirit. She was horrified for several moments, afraid to answer. Derming and their daughter were both okay. Everyone in the house was still there, except the newly built house had been completely destroyed. They were to move into earthquake-proof shelters temporarily. You have been listening to Home, a short story selected from the book The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, edited by Song Gang and Yang Qingxiang, and published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press. The author of the short story, Zhang Yiran, born in 1982, is one of the most well-known young writers in China. Her representative works include the collections of short stories The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890 and Ten Loves and the novels The Distance of Cherries, Narcissus Has Left with the Carp and Promised Bird. Her works have been translated into English, Spanish, Japanese, German and other languages. Since 2008, she has been editor-in-chief of the journal Carp, which mainly publishes works by young authors. In the week that followed, 
the news was filled with coverage of the emergency rescue and relief efforts. Apart from her working hours, Xiaoju was constantly in front of the television set. A village close to theirs had also suffered a lot of fatalities. De Ming would often call to say that everything was okay and would invariably tell her of so-and-so's relative who had just died. Sometimes, Xiaoju would hang up the phone, turn off the television and stare straight ahead, entranced. The cat lay on the deck chair, completely oblivious. The wind gently teased and rippled the sheer curtains. The gardenia plants on the windowsill were in full bloom. The clock on the wall had no second hand or markings and always had you thinking that it had stopped. She could not tell whether it was all too quiet or too icy. Sister Xia asked her why she was still here and not going back to Sichuan. She said that her house had collapsed and that building a new one required money. If she went back, how could she earn money? Sister Xia thought she had a point. Yet Xiaoju herself was perplexed. Recently in Beijing, she hadn't been earning much money. If it hadn't been for Sister Xia's question, she would have virtually forgotten that she had come to Beijing to earn money. And now that money was needed. De Ming had even lent money to his older cousin to build a house, and now that house had collapsed as well, so the money they had borrowed would probably never be repaid. Xiaoju got angry thinking about it. Another few days passed. De Ming's elder sister, Enmian Yang, took their parents over there. Now, there were only De Ming and their daughter left at home. He was a little unprepared for this, so he called Xiaoju to ask her opinion. Can't you guys go find your sister in Mianyang too, Xiaoju suggested coldly. So many people, all going to their place. Who has the nerve? Mianyang is all messed up now. You just can't find a job at all, was Deming's response. What do you mean then? I want to leave Lan Lan at their house, as there are no classes at school right now anyway, and my parents could look after her too. And you? I think I might as well come to beat you in Beijing. Deming replied without much conviction. There's nothing here anymore, he added, even more weakly. Xiaoju was quiet for a long time and replied, Let me think about it. She hung up the phone and suddenly felt that it could only be like this. In fact, there was nothing more to think about. Yet it was still as though there was a fleeting glimpse of joy, an inexplicable belief that Deming had changed for the better, ever so slightly. You have been listening to Home, a short story selected from the book The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, edited by Song Gang and Yang Qingxiang, and published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press. The author of the short story, Zhang Yiran, born in 1982, is one of the most well-known young writers in China. Her representative works include the collections of short stories The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890 and Ten Loves and the novels The Distance of Cherries, Narcissus Has Left with the Carp and Promised Bird. Her works have been translated into English, Spanish, Japanese, German and other languages. Since 2008, she has been editor-in-chief of the journal Carp, which mainly publishes works by young authors.
The day that Derming caught the train to come to Beijing, the man of the house had sent a letter to be received by Chao Luo. When Xiaoju saw the familiar name, she felt a little concerned inside. Luo Luo. As I write this letter, I am in Mianyang. After leaving home, I stayed here and there, and yet I still couldn't find anywhere to stay. I was originally going to be a village teacher in the northwest. Then, after hearing news of the earthquake, I thought I could perhaps go to Sichuan. A few days ago, I went to help out at a town that was worst affected by the disaster. The most common words I heard every day were signs of life. These words would always excite me, as if holding the meaning of life. It really is funny to bring this up because, in actual fact, I couldn't offer much help. Still, being here, running around every day, and always trying to be helpful, just felt like it energized my whole body. Writing about becoming a village teacher and coming here to be a volunteer worker, you might be laughing at me. We aren't like those hot-blooded people, nor do we have hearts overflowing with sympathy. At first, I didn't understand it myself either. Later, I remembered a book I'd read. It described the psyches of some fevered fanatics. They throw themselves selflessly into charity and public welfare services because they are complete and utter losers in their own lives. They do this in order to escape the constant feeling of defeat. Helping others gives them a sense of satisfaction, and this is the only work that will not bring criticism and disapproval. Kindness of heart becomes their last place of refuge. Volunteers here are like locusts, and I don't know if they, like me, came here for self-help. I have to go to another country in a while, so I can't write any more. Oh, I just remembered. Xiaoju, who works at our house, is from Sichuan. Not sure if her family is safe. Please pass on my best wishes to her. Jingyu. When reading this last line, Xiaoju's tears began to fall. Even though she still did not get why Jingyu went to Sichuan, she turned on the television and watched the images of the disaster recovery, hoping to find Jingyu in the sea of people. She watched for ages, but didn't see Jingyu. However, all of a sudden, amid the medical rescue team made up of volunteers, she saw a person who looked very much like Chou Luo. Xiaoju thought she must have been imagining it because she had forgotten what Jingyu looked like, and the person she was looking for turned into Chou Luo. But when the woman disappeared from the screen, she clearly saw that rear view of her dragging the suitcase and walking off into the distance. From then on, Xiaoju often thought about the strange scene she had seen on the television that afternoon. She believed with more and more conviction that that person had been Chou Luo. She told herself that if they could leave home on the same day, why wouldn't it be possible for them both to go and become volunteers in Sichuan? Meanwhile, after much urging, Derming put their more valuable possessions in a woven plastic bag and rushed off to the train station. The television had never shown an image of their village, but it was as if Xiaoju could still see it. He was walking out from amid a section of brick wall and roofed half ruins, and as he walked, he turned his head, looking back reluctantly. The few days before Derming arrived in Beijing, Xiaoju hesitated about whether or not to tell him about the empty house. 
Yet, in the time it took him to arrive, she had unconsciously changed the bedsheets in the bedroom of the house. The freshly washed bedsheets had a faint scent of lemon from the washing detergent. Xiaoju unfolded them and spread them out flat, as if reverently preparing them for a brand new life. She realized at that moment how much she anticipated Derming's prompt arrival, though this anticipation was filled with shame and uncertainty, as though she were about to do something extremely risky. She was lost in joy and didn't feel like she was in a strange room awaiting her own man, but in her own room awaiting the ring of a stranger at the doorbell. What you've just heard was the final part of the story, Home, from the book The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press in 2016. Set in 2008, Home tells the story of a young couple living in Beijing. The two left each other coincidentally on the same day without notifying each other or anyone else of their departures, and embarked on their respective journeys of self-exploration. They unknowingly left their shared home to their maid, a young woman from Sichuan, the Chinese province that was hit by a devastating earthquake later that year. It remains to be seen how this bewildering story of suspense and coincidence unfolds. Hope you will join us on A Light on Literature next time for the next story in the book, titled Fake Fried Omelette. See you then. Listening to Home, a short story selected from the book The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, edited by Song Gang and Yang Qingxiang, and published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press. The author of the short story, Zhang Yiran, born in 1982, is one of the most well-known young writers in China. Her representative works include the collections of short stories The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890 and Ten Loves and the novels The Distance of Cherries, Narcissus Has Left with the Carp and Promised Bird. Her works have been translated into English, Spanish, Japanese, German and other languages. Since 2008, she has been editor-in-chief of the journal Carp, which mainly publishes works by young authors. Tales of mystery and magic to accounts of battle and empire from the verses of ancient poets to the masterpieces of our times. 
A Light on Literature brings to life China's literary heritage and a look at the world in a new light. You have been listening to Home, a short story selected from the book The Sound of Salt Forming, short stories by the post-80s generation in China, edited by Song Gang and Yang Qingxiang, and published by the Foreign Language Teaching and Research Press. The author of the short story, Zhang Yiran, born in 1982, is one of the most well-known young writers in China. Her representative works include the collections of short stories The Sunflowers Disappeared in 1890 and Ten Loves and the novels The Distance of Cherries, Narcissus Has Left with the Carp and Promised Bird. Her works have been translated into English, Spanish, Japanese, German and other languages. Since 2008, she has been editor-in-chief of the journal Carp, which mainly publishes works by young authors. (laughs) 